Hello and welcome to Balance City with your host, me, moi, Danielle. We're going to talk all about the juicy stuff, about relationships, about business, about mental health, all the things when it comes to the journey of life, right? And what you'll see along the way is no one's perfect. We all have our shit, (laughs) to be frankly honest. And I am so thankful that you're here to be on this journey with me. And I'm going to have some epic guests sharing their story. And I just cannot wait to get this started. So let's go. Welcome. I am so excited that you guys are here. And today I have the honor of sitting down with the incredible, incredible Dave Hollis. And if you don't know him, I think you're just living under a rock because we all need to know him. Um, But Dave, I'm going to pass you the mic. But before I do, one of my friends, Kim, created this um, question. If you really knew me, you would know. So I kind of want you to dig deep and kind of share what, what your answer would be with that. Wow, what a good question. Uh, If you really knew me, you would know that I am not as extroverted as I might appear Mm -hmm. online. I am uh, a little more introverted in real life. That I enjoy simple things. That I am more interested in lifestyle goals than I am in achievement-related goals. That uh, the legacy of my life is going to be created by things that have not yet happened. As much as I have had, I think, a pretty full and exciting life at 46 years old, I have a lot of hope that uh, every great thing that is yet to happen will be the thing that I end up being remembered by. Uh, I love sports memorabilia, which is super (laughs) dorky and nerdy. (laughs) Um, I have uh, come to appreciate the benefits of health and and certainly I'm pushing myself physically in a way that I haven't previously, but I have also in working through some of the harder things that I've had to go through in the entirety of my life, I've really come to appreciate how holistic health, where spiritual, mental, physical, relational, uh, and and mental health are all on equal playing fields has become Mm -hmm. a huge part of why I find myself where I find myself today as I find myself. Um, what else? I don't know. I think I'm a pretty normal down to earth ish kind of human. I have a somewhat weird job as it were. It's hard to explain to my 99 year old grandma, what the heck it is that I do every (laughs) single day. But I think at the end of the day, I'm pretty similar to most of, um, the listeners who are listening today or you, Danielle, and that I struggle like everyone else struggles. I'm a work in progress, which I now wear as a badge of honor, something I will be for the rest of my life. And Uh, I'm doing my best every day to just get a little bit closer to who I'm on this planet to be and how I might bring as much light and impact to other people along the way. I love that. And I think that like, I mean, people put you and other people that are in the limelight in such a pedestal, but you're, you're human. You're you're just (laughs) like us. And I I just, I don't get it because I, you know, like I, I feel that it's so it's so important to realize that each one of us is human and you worked hard to get where you at period. So, um, but I kind of wanted to get into for those kind of listeners that don't really know you kind of go through a brief bio, if you will. Sure. 
Uh, I mean, I'm a dad of four kids, first and foremost. Uh, I have a 14, 13, nine, and four-year-old quartet of humans, three boys and a daughter. <laughs> I, uh, in describing what I do to my grandma, who asks every time I'm on the phone with her if I have a career, which I think is a hilarious <laughs> and awesome question to have to answer. Um, I describe myself in some ways as a reporter in mm. that I have been given a certain amount of gifts and skill that has me in an ability to speak or take information and deliver it back to someone in a way that might have them understanding it as an author and a podcaster, a coach, hopefully taking the experiences of my life or the things that I have learned from other people and bringing them together in a way that maybe allows you to learn, see yourself in some of the stories of my own experience normalizing some of the struggle that it is to be human, uh, maybe makes you feel a little more normal in your skin or more able to handle the things that you are also going through. I uh, grew up in Southern California, had a pretty conventional, traditional career inside of corporate America for a little more than 20 years inside of the entertainment sector. I worked at Fox. I worked for a grassroots marketing company. I worked in talent management at an agency. And then had a 17-year career at the Walt Disney Company, where those last seven years, I was the head of sales for the movie studio. It was a great career, a lot of like awesome experiences and um, really neat jobs, but ultimately something that at a certain point felt disconnected from my calling. Mm. And so I, about four years ago, in the midst of a midlife crisis, maybe too significant a word, but a, a midlife moment, mm -hmm. uh, felt mm -hmm. the desire to tap into something that felt more connected to calling than career. And so I left where I'd been and what I'd known for what I felt like I needed in challenging myself and doing something new and being um, in a space where I might better utilize some of the gifts that I'd been given. I left Disney for entrepreneurship, helped build a company with my then wife for a couple of years worth of time, three years worth of time. And in the midst of another big identity transition in the last year and a half, found myself going from married to divorced and am now figuring out kind of who I am absent the moniker of corporate America person or husband to her as I now am writing in some ways the details of what will be the rest of and next parts of my life on somewhat of a blank piece of paper that was handed to me when things ultimately were changing uh, about 18 months ago. And so here I now find myself, uh, you know, I'm authoring books and doing this coaching and having conversations and podcasts and am enjoying it, feel super connected to why I am here on this planet and, um, and learning a lot along the way as I continue to try new things, often where I am not actually good at those things at the beginning, but maybe that's part of why I am learning, in fact, because of not getting it perfectly right at the beginning and uh, will continue to do so uh, between now and whatever ends up being what next looks like. As much as I, I think I previously had a pretty good handle or I thought I had a good handle on of a longer term vision of what next might look like in my life in a world where things have changed so radically in the last five, six years of my life, I've tended to now embrace a little bit more of a take it as it comes stay connected to who you hope to be and allow what next ends up being a thing that reveals itself in time as you continue to push into and explore new things to find where additional passions might exist or additional opportunities for impact might uh, reveal themselves. And it's been an awesome, exhilarating, at times super trying and grief-filled uh, journey. 
but one that has produced just an amazing amount of fruit in the last few years. Well, that's like the thing called life, right? There's always some type of transitions, you know, ups and downs. And I kind of want to get into that. When you were with your relationship with your ex, um, it, I I want I want those that are going through it to understand because you, you went through a divorce. But at that time when you were married, she had this incredible trajectory, right? And you you were partnering up with her. As a spouse, did you did you feel at any point less than? Because there's so many, you know, relationships out there that that the man, the the woman is doing incredible and that the partner is not very happy for them and they're, they feel defeated. Uh, it's, I mean, it's such an interesting question. I, I, I had the benefit of having built a career for myself before making this decision to leave this career that I had for partnering to try and create something that was uh, largely built on the vision that she had for where she was building her own career in a business that would serve primarily women inside of a community that she'd built over time. And so her success in so many ways felt like shared success because we were partnering in and working toward the goal of having as much impact as we possibly could. And man, I just have, I have a ton of pride for what it meant to create the kind of impact that existed and to have been complicit in some ways of the way that her coming onto the scene and growing in the scene was something that could happen and continue to have more and more impact over time. I'm sure that there were times where something was triggered inside of me. Like I'd been the primary breadwinner for our family for the majority of the entirety of our marriage until uh, that maybe second year that we were working together where man, those roles certainly flipped is the success of her books and the way that she was able to create uh, an ability to provide for our family dwarfed what I now was able to do as someone who was helping inside of the business. And uh, so I'm sure like in some ways against some traditional definition of masculinity or mm-hmm. what it means to be a, a real man, there had to have been some trigger that existed. But I think the thing I had most was pride. I was like a super, super proud of the way that she was able to in taking the reins of this set of gifts that she'd been given and try and bring as much light and uh, as much impact to the world. Like, I, I don't know. I was, I, I, I think, I, I think of myself primarily as having been a cheerleader and proud, but I'm sure there were also those moments where it was like, uh, wow, I used to have the status or significance. She before us partnering together was probably identified as Dave's wife. And I certainly in the aftermath of her success is, you know, was known as, as Rachel's husband and in a world where my identity in so many ways prior to our divorce was that of her husband. I mean, I like, probably would have identified myself as that first, whether I was still working at Disney or partnering with her in our business. And so when that was gone, I think there was certainly a little bit of a feeling lost at sea moment for mm-hmm. me in like, who am I now that I'm not who I previously was? But I also think there was some beauty in, in that if, if, you know, and anyone who's listening has ever gone through something where who you were is now gone because change chose you. It may not have been something that you were rooting for or wished for because of a job loss or a diagnosis or relationship changing. All of a sudden, this thing that you identified as is now no longer there. It could even just be something as simple as kids moving out of a house where you were a stay-at-home parent or 
retirement, changing the way that you identify as someone who's working in the workplace. But um, working through who I was absent the modifier, right? Like if I wasn't defined by my job at Disney or I wasn't defined as husband to Rachel, who, who am I? Mm. And that work um, is super, I mean, it was super difficult, but also I think it's probably been the single singular thing that has produced the most growth in the last 18 months because it is, and it ends up being a, a really hard journey to grapple with who you are at your core, what your capital T truths are, what you stand for, why you're here. And I think the thing I kind of kept coming back to, and I would encourage anyone who's listening to try and connect with is I, I like, like you, Danielle, like anyone who's listening has been through a very specific set of experiences. We have very specific wiring. We think and feel and love in ways that are wholly and totally unique to each of us. And so I had to really connect with this idea that I am, like you are, a limited edition, one of one. There's no other person on this planet who is like us. And that I was put here with very specific, intentional, deliberate thoughts by a creator who had big expectations for how I might use that unique experience to my advantage or in a, in a way that might create impact for other people. And so the, the thing that I have been really focused on, certainly in the last five or six years, is like, how do I, to the best of my ability, honor the intention of a creator who put me here on purpose? Mm. And that answer comes separate from the relationship that I end up having to any other person. Like I yet identify as the dad of these kids or husband at one point to this woman, or the person who was at one time the president of distribution at this company. But separate from those things is who I was created to be. And so I think if you can like strip yourself from the identity modifiers that sometimes create comfort, but also create constraints from who we are actually meant to be, um, it now is created in that in the absence of some of those things, freedom for me to really connect with what is this true intention that God has put me on this planet for? And how can I, in my actions and the work that I do, honor that intention every single day? Boom. <laughs> like, I, <was> like, <laughs> I have like chills. I hope everybody's like writing stuff down because that was, that was incredible. Um, and you literally were peeling layers within yourself to find yourself again. And no, I, I love that. And I kind of want to go into now your books, right? What was the vision behind both the books? Like what, what kind of brought about your, your vision? Yeah. I, well, so I, in leaving Disney, left in part because I was feeling like I was not at a place where I was fully maximizing the potential that was put into my being. I'd been given amazing opportunities. It was a dream job for many, many people, myself included, at the very beginning of having it. But maybe three years in, the work that it took for me to get straight A grades didn't now require studying for those tests because of the strength of leadership and the unbelievable intellectual property that I was working with, the leverage that now came in selling Marvel, Pixar, Disney, Lucasfilm to movie theaters. It just, it didn't require as much of my potential. And so I found myself at that 40-year-old mark, where you start asking these bigger existential questions. Why am I here? Why have I been given these gifts? And why am I not in this position to utilize these gifts in the way that I previously was, wishing for something that felt more like fulfillment or connection to purpose? 
And I was sitting out back with my kids one night in the midst of this like midlife funk. And my middle son at seven years old asks this very simple but profound question, dad, what's your biggest fear? He's looking for very simple answers like tarantulas or scorpions and out (laughs) of my mouth falls, not living up to my potential. And as it comes out of my mouth, I realize that I have now uttered into existence a thing that was living in my subconscious, which was this reality that I was in real time living into my greatest fear. I was because it had been defined by society or my family of origin or by my friends or my desire for ego to feel you know, good about myself. Um, I, was, I was staying in a situation that because of the title or the comfort that might have created or the security that it created with the paycheck, um, I was not living into a, a space that required a ton of my potential. Mm-hmm. And I in now understanding a thing that I could not unsee, right? I'd seen it. I couldn't unsee it. I had to do something about it because the decision to stay inside of that safe place, inside of that comfort zone was coming at the expense of my growth and was coming at the expense of ultimately being fulfilled or, or being close to purpose. And so jumping into like what ended up becoming the unknown was what was required now to get a step closer to it. And so writing the first book was a secondary part of trying to tap into potential. Because as much as I moved immediately into a company that was supportive of her vision of this company that she'd been cultivating a community around, about a year into being inside of it, I still felt these pangs of Dave, you've been given other gifts. There are other things that you can do here. This voice of intuition or voice of God or your knowing, as Glenn Doyle might call it, whatever you want to call it, like that voice kept chirping. Mm-hmm. And as much as I tried to suppress it for as long as I could, there was finally this moment was like, okay, I think I'm meant to also share some of my story or do some of my own coaching or have a voice inside of my own podcast. And as much as that was scary because I was the first time, a first time person doing any of those things. I listened to that voice. And the first thing that I thought about writing was a story of how I found myself in my own way in the midst of that funk, Mm -hmm. that as much as I was a newbie inside of this personal development space and had for many, many years been skeptical of the benefits of personal development in and of itself, that if I might be able to write something that would allow other people to see themselves in my story of struggle and a little bit of how I, in in identifying that struggle, was able to get out of my own way, that it might help them do the same. So that first book was really just, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm a skeptic. I don't know that I have necessarily given enough weight to the appreciation for what reading books in this space might mean or believing in a growth mindset might mean or having motivation as a thing I can readily tap into. And if you relate to me in any way, great. I think you're normal and human, but also here are some tips that ended up working for me in my own journey of growth. And when I finished that book, as much as I had pride for it, and I, man, felt good about the progress that had already been made, the next step felt like this bigger, broader question of the kind of courage that's required once you identify how you're in your way to actually step closer to the calling of your life, to Mm -hmm. step closer to purpose. Because a lot of times the voice that is telling us, hey, you need to be doing this, or like the way that you might be connected to your creator suggesting, hey, you've been given these gifts for these specific reasons. 
the decision to follow that calling or listen to that voice often comes at the expense of keeping either yourself or other people comfortable Mm -hmm. in that it requires you to likely step into spaces you haven't been in before where you are guaranteed to fail, where you will likely expose yourself as not being perfectly prepared for the thing that you are walking toward because you're not meant to be, because you have to, in reframing failure, do the things that you're not great at yet so that you can, in not doing them well, learn how to become better at them. But also the kind of courage that's required to deviate from the way that the people that you have had in your life, that you love or crave love from, have come to expect you to show up because of how you historically have. And now that you are trying to heed this call and deviate from some of what they have become comfortable with, knowing that it is going to make them uncomfortable, that it's going to challenge them or test them and the kind of courage that's required to do it, even though, and maybe because it does. Mm. And I, and I like, I mean, if you guys have not got the book, like I really, really encourage you to do so because just it's, they're, they're incredible. And um, I guess what I wanted to end with is, well, especially maybe for those authors out there that are like those aspiring authors, what's the number one thing, tip, trick that you could give them to encourage them to keep going and pursuing? Because it's it's like birthing a, a child, right? <laughs> like, So what's one tip that you can give them to keep going? Well, I mean, the first thing I would say is like, you have to write about something that you have unbelievable passion about that you are going to be excited to talk about for literally the rest of your life. Because... Mm-hmm the kind of time and emotional energy that it takes to get through writing a book isn't something that you can sustain or be excited about talking about after it comes out if you don't have just a depth of passion for it or feel super convicted by it. So number one is just like, make sure that you're actually writing about the thing that you feel called to write. Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing for me is like, I came out of, at the Walt Disney Company, one of the responsibilities I had was the spokesperson to the press, which means I had, as a part of my job, shaping, curating, manufacturing a story of how great things were, even when they weren't great, which is an interesting skill that I think a lot of us develop, but that ends up actually being uh, a not ideal thing if you are interested in connecting with people on a real level. Mm -hmm. And so your willingness as an author, if you're writing a nonfiction and you're trying to allow people to see themselves in your stories at all in a way that might create something of an empathy bridge, it's going to require that you actually own the stuff that you might not necessarily have the most amount of pride for. And what I can say as someone who's talked openly about stuff that I'd previously had as the source of shame or something that I wasn't necessarily proud of, I was able in just about every single instance to turn a thing that was in the dark holding me back or anchoring me because of shame and turn it into a source of pride or power for bringing it into the light. And so any of the things that I have struggled with or am working through in talking about them openly, number one, have been instantaneously a connecting piece of tissue to the audience who, of course, themselves was also struggling. If you are listening to this in real time and you are struggling, good news you and I are the same. I'm struggling too. And I am awesome in the same way that you are. But struggle is not a reflection of me not being great. Uh, struggle is a reflection of my humanity in the same way that it is a reflection of yours. By talking about it, 
it normalizes the way I feel about it because of how many other people raise their hand and say, oh, me too. Totally gone through that. This is a very normal reaction to the thing that you were processing. But if you don't bring it into the light, you sit in that darkness feeling unbelievably alone, isolated, and likely worse about whatever, whatever it is that you're working through. But the second thing that ends up happening in owning and transparently bringing it into the light, you get the, the benefit of other people who are a little further along the journey giving you some of the tips or tricks that have worked for them in a way that acts as a time machine to get through your struggle faster, to, to, to have a bit of an answer key in how to kind of work through it. And so um, I would just, I would suggest if you're writing, you know, like, yep, be passionate about it, but also like find a way to become comfortable in the transparency and ownership that comes in you owning where you are. That uh, for me anyway, has like turned truly any of the things that I had shame for into pride. Hey, I'm proud of owning this as a thing that I am still working through. I may be working through it for the rest of my natural life, but in talking about it honestly, it is now a source of pride and a a point of power that gives me and empowers me for whatever ends up coming next. I would encourage you to do that from a practical, and this is like super tactical, practical, but if you're truly a writer, like the most important thing is not finding the agent or finding someone that can distribute the book or the the most important thing is getting the words on the page. Mm. And so like, so at so many times I talk to people who are interested in being authors and they're asking questions about, the title or branding or what should be on the cover or who they could be connected to in the publishing world. And my first question is, did you write the book? Like you have to actually like write the book first. And so committing to a certain number of words on an every single day basis, creating an outline filled with stories that you and you alone can tell that would connect people to your story. That's the most important thing. Write the book and then worry about how you name it, what the cover looks like, who's going to distribute it, whether you have an agent, all those things will happen once you've written the book. Well, you heard it first. Write the damn book, period. (laughs) Write the book. (laughs) Write the book. Um, So lastly, where can can my listeners find you if they haven't found you yet? (laughs) Well, I have a website that has a bunch of details on the things that are coming up in my world, mrdavehollis.com. There is, in fact, uh, if you decide to buy Built Through Courage, which comes comes out October 26th, MrDaveHollis.com forward slash book is where you can get a bunch of goodies. I've created a ton of incentives, a couple of free courses, 13 weeks of coaching that you get free immediately as a thank you for buying the book. Uh, But there's details about podcasts and a kid's book that's coming up and a men's conference is coming, a whole bunch of fun things that are coming up. So you can head over there. And if you uh, spend time on social media, Mr. Dave Hollis is my handle on Instagram. It's probably where I spend the most time and uh, where I connect most with the community. Perfect. And I have one personal question. Um, yes. When is the next Noah tea party with Noah? Oh, my goodness. It's so <laughs> funny. I, when I was uh, t- taking her to school this morning, we had the conversation. I, I've basically left it to her to ask for tea time rather than me being the instigator of tea time. So <laughs> we did one about two weeks ago because she got up that morning and said, we haven't done tea time in a while. We got to do tea time. I said, okay, great. So we did a tea time uh, where I was playing the guitar, which was ridiculous. Hilarious <laughs> I don't know how to play the guitar or sing. Uh, but today I think we're going to do one because she asked for it this morning, talking about fear. So mm, uh, every that. once in a while, we'll go ahead and get ourselves an episode when she asks for it. I've got a fun tea time book coming out in February, all about believing in your dreams. So uh, I'm excited about that too. 
I just think that they're so special. I think, uh, you know, just you're an incredible father. You really, really are. Oh, and I hope you so and I hope you know that. Thank um, you. But again, Dave, I truly appreciate you just taking the time and sitting with me. And if you guys liked this episode, please tag the two of us. We'll share it in our stories and we'll show you some love. But thank you again, Dave. I truly appreciate it. Oh, Danielle, thank you for having me. I appreciate you. And thank you, the listener. I appreciate you for uh, letting us hang out in your group today. Have a good one.